0: Hey, Mighty Warrior, you know the great John Wesley once said that if you give him 300 men who fear nothing but God, hate nothing but sin, and are determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ crucified, he said he would set the world on fire. Do you know that one quote changed my life? Because after hearing it, God immediately gave me a vision to build a team of 300 men who would change the world for Christ. But I didn't realize it at the time that a man is the hardest thing to reach. And if you don't believe me, just ask any pastor or men's ministry leader or even a wife. (laughs) Now, due to the success of our Real Men Connect podcast, we've managed to reach and teach men all over the world in 43 countries and still counting. But John Wesley knew when he spoke those famous words, just like Jesus did, that there's a huge difference between attracting a passive crowd of men and recruiting a committed team of men. So we decided to launch the Real Men 300. The Real Men 300 is an opportunity for you to join an exclusive team of men who've agreed to financially partner with Real Men Connect to be personally mentored, supported, and coached so they can be professionally trained and equipped to mentor, support, and disciple the next generation of men for Christ. So we want to personally help you grow in Christ while you're supporting us in ministry. We're a nonprofit organization and we rely heavily on your financial support. So we're asking you to consider partnering with us by giving at least $30 a month. That's only a dollar a day to help us help you be the man God called and created you to be. To give or to find out more, just go to realmen300.com. That's realmen300.com
1: and join the 300 today. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame, just real men with real challenges seeking real change, all for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Man Connect podcast,
0: where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader of God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Day we have to I hate to say that we have with us a guest today because he's a friend and he's also a staple on our show on the real man connect podcast and one of your favorite guests I know based on the downloads of his episodes and that's Carl Stewart and Carl Stewart is a counselor speaker and coach who works with men and couples who have been devastated by pornography and sexual addiction and Carl is the author of the porn antidote God's secret weapon for crushing porn's grip and Carl has made multiple appearances on the real man connect podcast and he can now Boast to having three shows (laughs) and two of them which were the most downloaded episodes on our podcast and if you guys haven't um checked them out already if this is your first time listening to the podcast make sure and you do a search on carl stewart's episodes i'm telling you you will be blessed and Carl also serves as a faculty member on our private social media page for men called Real Men University, where he teaches a weekly lesson on how to live a lust-free life. And if you want to check out our university, just go to realmenuniversity.com. That's realmenuniversity.com and ask for permission to join. And I brought Carl back on the show today to talk to us about a topic that most dads don't want to have to deal with and what most moms don't know how to deal with, and that's children and porn. So, we're talking about an introduction. So, with that being said, let me introduce my friend and faculty <laughs> member on Real <laughs> University, Carl Stewart. Welcome back to the show, Call.
2: Thanks, Joe. It's great to be here. And, you know, I'm going to keep on coming on just to get into introduction because I like the guy you're describing. I want that to be how people <laughs> see me. So, uh, but no, always fun just to get together. And I know we always have a hard time trying to, you know, no matter what topic we choose, I think we could go on for like two or three hours. Yeah, and that's why
0: when I brought you on for this show, um, because you're going to be on multiple times, because this is a, a, an epidemic, for lack of a better word, when it comes to pornography. and But we don't do enough or uh, at uh, least address this issue when it comes to our children. Because it's not, like I said in the intro, it's not something that we want to talk about as dads. And when it comes to moms, at least when I hear from others, and I can't wait to hear your, your take on this, is that women don't know how to talk about it um, with their sons, because typically that's where the problem is coming in at is with their sons. And so I've had a lot of women, I'm not even a counselor like you call, and I get a lot of women um, emailing me Or um, calling me or talking to my wife to talk to me about how do I talk to my son? Because I caught him with porn, using porn. And most times, men, you know, we don't even address the issue because we don't think it's that big of a deal. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's back because We got a lot of ground to cover. And so we're going (laughs) to take you through the normal stuff that we normally take guests through when we talk about their favorite Bible verses and the man up questions. Let's get to it. And we're going to address it. And Carl, I'm going to start with a broad question. How bad is this when it comes to porn in our children?
2: Unfortunately, for most folks, it's worse than you think, meaning kids are, are are exposed, they're going to be exposed. There is no way to live in this culture short of having a compound with no internet access. The kids are going to be exposed. The average age of first exposure that most people hear is about age 12 to 13. We're finding it's actually more like age eight. Wow. Most kids get exposed. It's often while doing homework, they come across something, and the hard part is that's before they hit puberty. That means their body and their brain are not ready for this information, but it's super stimulating, and they know they shouldn't tell mom or dad about it, so the seeds get planted early. Um, so early exposure, uh, some of the stats, 71% of teens hide their online behavior. 90% of 8 to 16-year-olds have seen porn, not just like a you know a bikini but they're seeing porn somewhere doesn't mean they're looking at all the time so the truth is they are being exposed it is a sex saturated culture so this is a conversation we have to have this isn't kind of sneaking up to it it's already here
0: now McCall, as far as i know you deal with with men and you deal with couples but do you often have um the, the family bring their kids to you? Do you deal with children at all when, you, when it comes to that? I life? do,
2: I do. Uh, part of my background, I used to be a school teacher, middle school and high school, youth minister. I worked at a drug rehab with teenagers, so uh, I'm really comfortable in that area. And just kids, part of what we're gonna get into today is that kids are more susceptible to pornography and the effects of it, really being drawn in and even uh, to an addictive level more than adults. Um, Just the way they're wired, the way they're set up socially, um, they're actually more susceptible to it.
0: Now, as far as because, you know, we have people out there who are listening who I know that this is going to be a very popular episode because, again, I get a lot of questions about this all the time um, from parents. But less for those people who, who maybe may stumble across this episode and maybe listen, especially if it's a man, they may think, well, no, you guys, Joe, you guys are doing this totally out of proportion. And even though you just gave that stat about at age eight being exposed to it, um, let's share with them what you think are some of the ramifications or consequences if we don't address this issue when it comes to our children, what what have you seen have been the fallout of some of this of denial? Well, I guess.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. The fallout. You know, if you don't deal with it, they're going to come see me later. You know, the the guys I talk to, we, we start tracing their history back. It began as that middle schooler looking at somebody's. You know, Joe, when, we, when you and I were young, somebody had to Playboy. You know, now it's right here on somebody's iPhone. They go to somebody's house for sleepover and they're exposed to this on an iPad. And so it plants the seeds for it, where it becomes super stimulating. They start isolating from their parents, which means the very source they need for support, protection, to process what they see, it creates isolation, shame, and those are the two seedbeds for addiction. Isolation and shame, so it's brewing and growing. Just because they're not out losing jobs or you know, suddenly spending all day looking at porn, Doesn't mean there isn't a problem. We like to live in that that denial atmosphere saying "Ah, it's not that bad. They're they're kids. They'll get through it. They'll survive. That's like saying somebody survived being in Iraq, but they lost a leg. They survived, but, you know, there's a a, a consequence to it.
0: You know, you bring it up about us that we didn't have a lot of um, things that kids are exposed to today, but I was exposed to porn at the age of 12. And you're right. I, and I never thought about it until you just mentioned it, is that I lived in a very rough and very dangerous neighborhood. So I try to stay out of the streets as much as possible anyway, because I could actually get killed <laughs> be on the street, hanging out with my friends. But but after being exposed to porn, um, you're right, I did isolate myself and I did have, I felt shame about it and didn't want to talk to anybody about it. But I was exposed um, to it by a person who abused me. Um, and so that's when I first saw it. And of course, even after that person left my life, it still was uh, wreaking havoc in my life. But you're right. I never thought about it. It was driving me to isolation and shame. And that kept me there for uh, for a long time. Now, Carl, you mentioned, um, about that you do deal with kids. Uh, is there a certain age that, that, um, of kids that you will talk to about it or how what's the, I guess I'm asking, what was the, um, early youngest age you've ever had to deal with in addressing the issue with them?
2: Sure, that's um, really the, the youngest I'll go is maybe six, seven, eight. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, um, and even then, that's they, they've been exposed. They've seen it. we helping process what they've seen. Um, really helping. The, really, my job is help the parents be more involved in that, bringing it out of sh- out of the hiding. Um, so now it's not shame. It's not isolated. It helps to change the way the brain processes it. Um, and it kind of titrates it. Now it's like it's something that's stimulating, but it's not so fearful. It doesn't define me as bad, and it lets the parents be a part of that, and that's what changes where it becomes addictive versus just something that's a problem they got to work through and will probably grow out of over time. Um, So when they get much younger than that, usually it's more predatorial. Somebody has, like you said, been abusing a kid, or they've been at somebody's house, and the older kids have exposed them Um, But even that young, they have less of an idea what to do with it. So the quicker you get out of hiding, the quicker, like you said, Joe, if we as parents, especially as dads, if we'll talk, if we'll step in and ask kids about this, you know, we've got to have the sex talk. We got to have the porn talk. You know, just the fact we're willing to bring it up, we're showing we can handle it, we can be relevant, um, we can go into that world. um, And it starts to make it less scary or less isolating um, Joe, there's a commercial on TV. I laugh when I see it. It's one of these one of these insurance commercials. They're stuck on the side of the road. And so the dad decides to take this opportunity to begin to have the talk <laughs> with the kid. And you can see the kid squirming and wrestling like Lord, please take me now <laughs> and, and you laugh and the dad's fumbling through it, you know, Dad had my bad my body change and as weird as it is, fumble through it. As guys, we don't like to look silly or stupid, or our kids look at us with that alien look. We gotta at talking about sex. They need to hear about it from us. In fact, Joe, here's the crazy thing. Especially working in the drug rehab, I learned so much from the kids when they get sober and they would talk. They want us to talk to them. They want us to set boundaries, so they need to hear about sex from us, even though they're gonna roll their eyes and say we're crazy or stupid. Or the porn talk, ask about porn. We know you've probably seen it or your friends have. They get the idea that they can talk to us, that we're not going to freak out or shame them um, and you know gives them a, an out when it does come up. Uh, but they're not going to say thank you or, or they'll kind of let down right up. They're going to have to act like they don't like this. So our job as parents is to step in, especially as dads, and, and, and broach that conversation so we're breaking that isolation barrier.
0: And so the thing is, even if you can't do it perfectly and you have to um, stumble your way through, it, you say it's worth the effort anyway, just to go ahead and do it anyway.
2: Oh, expect to fumble through it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, just go ahead and expect that. You know, you, you know, nobody that. You can buy resources; they'll give you some structure, which is fine. What they pick up is, as a kid, you know, mom, dad. I guess I, I you love me enough. You're willing to fumble through this and feel stupid, okay, to come into my world. Okay, they, they really get that message, even though they'll roll the eyes and say, leave me alone, but they get that you care. You're willing to step into this. You're willing to set boundaries. Okay, You're willing to check their phone. You're willing to make sure you're on their social media accounts. Um, they'll roll their eyes. They'll hate it, but they'll come back later and say, hey, thanks for being willing to fight that battle and, and care for me.
0: Now, we're talking about that we do need to have the, quote, the talk um, with them, and we need to address this so they don't go in isolation and they don't wallow in shame. But when should we address it as parents when it comes to, even if it's just a sex talk or even talking about porn, is there, uh, I guess, an appropriate time or is there a bad time not to address it? What, what do you suggest to parents when it comes to even bringing up the issue of sex or pornography?
2: Well, unfortunately, if the age of exposure is now around eight, you got to have the conversation around that age at least, um, which sounds incredibly young. So you may not go, you may not be as explicit. Well, we got to introduce the idea of sex, of porn. um, So it's in the conversation that early because they see this stuff, they don't know what to do with it. It's overwhelming to their brains. Uh, their bodies and so it gives them a context they know there's a safe place they can come to with this because trust me the kids at school are talking about it i mean joe the things you and i would hear about or experience maybe in high school they're getting early middle school now
0: yeah, and so I, I know, you know, Carl, I know that when my boy, I tell you, it was easy when my son was younger. But when my daughter started talking to me about this stuff. I started talking about squirming, you know, oh, yeah. because she would ask questions. And and you know, I need you to correct me as the counselor. Um, my thing is my way of always been handling this with my kids is that if they bring it up, no matter what age it is, that means that they're ready to talk about it. Whatever they bring it up. But like you said, I had to use age appropriate language. Um, when doing it, but I want to ask you, um, because obviously you dealt with this more than, than I have. Um, and you dealt with these couples when you, so you said address it when, you know, the earlier, the better. And now that they're being exposed to early, but how do you bring it up? Is there, a, there's a way or is there, is there, how do you ease a guy into doing it? So he doesn't feel as intimidated by doing this or starting to sweat, sweat bullets, <laughs>
2: Sure. Well, I mean, there's good resources out there. Josh McDowell has some resources that are great. Uh, he has a great website. Uh, I think it's just one click away. Uh, his website. Uh, he has good. He has a good resource, and uh, we use some of that with w- with my kids. It's just some way to introduce the topic. And so, if you need something that helps do that, do it. Uh, you lay it out here. You can look at a book together. It's just a tool to introduce the awkward conversation. You accept you're going to fumble through it. Um, but just even talking about sex, they then learn sex is not such a dirty thing that we can't talk about it. That mom and dad can talk about sex with with, you know, with me as, as the kid um, and know even mechanically how it works. And then they get the idea of sex is a good thing because, you know, I love that my kids know that my wife and I, we love each other. We have sex. We, you know, we kiss and of course they'll roll their eyes and say, ooh we don't want to think about it. But they get how sex is supposed to be. If we don't talk about it, that means it's bad, it's shameful. So again, you start, I would say at least by age eight, find a good resource that begins to open the door, not just for sex, but then pornography, because pornography is a very uh, broad term. There's Victoria's Secret models. There's Victoria's Secret um, uh, fashion show that comes on at halftime for the Super Bowl. There's Fifty Shades of Grey that comes on network TV now. And so, we just start talking about how sex can be something that can be used, that God has created to be enjoyed, but then also people misuse, and it sells a lot of product, it gets people really excited. Um, You know, girls start seeing their identity as a sexual figure, so um, we give the context for this. Again, as kids, if we tell them Santa's real, they believe it. We still have some of that influence, it wanes some, but they still really hang on our words and what we think more so than we think, even up into the teenage years.
0: You know, I keep thinking, you know, we always use that phrase, that cliche having the talk, but I think that even that is misguiding parents because we think we treat it as if it's a one-time event. Okay, we're going to bring up sex and we to talk about sex and how babies are made and all this other stuff. And and then we had, okay, we had the talk, but it should be talking, not just the talk, that that should be the beginning. The talk is the beginning of an open dialogue that you should have with your kids, right?
2: Right. It's a great point. It's an ongoing conversation because as they get older, kids are looking at more. They're talking about more. I mean, what happens on TV in front of you? I mean, I'm just real aware, not being prudish, but you know, when that Victoria's Secret, Uh, commercial comes on tv or changing the channel or something that flashes up there i'm turning away my son sees that i'm not making a big deal out of it he does that he see he knows this is how we deal with these things and so now my you know my kids will come and tell me gosh dad somebody showed me this or they're talking about doing that i mean i'm thrilled when they feel safe enough to do that because it is a sex saturated culture that they don't know what to do with
0: now, isn't that funny, though, that um, we squirm because they bring it up? If anything, we should be kind of excited that they did because they didn't have to. Um, they could have gone to their friends. And you're right. That's where I learned. I learned it in the streets. I learned it in school, in the locker rooms and that kind of thing. And now, of course, I look back and say, wow, man, my friends were idiots. <laughs> you know, I can't <laughs> believe I was listening to that. And because, and I thought it was true. I thought it was the gospel because these boys were more experienced than I was. And they had experimented with sex and all this other stuff um, that I did. And I, and I tell you, Carl, one of the toughest things I ever had to do. Do is when I started talking to my daughter who's now in high school now about sex um, is I had to tell her about my sexual past. Mm, and Talking one, about man. a hard one, man, because you're know stressing when your daughter's listening your mouth drops like, Dad, you were horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but I'm being honest with her because I want her to know that but this is what you can expect from me. We're going to have an honest conversation and I'm not just going to give you the highlight reels of my life. I'm going to give you the lowlights too and why what I regret from it and that kind of thing. But Carl, you mentioned John, uh, Josh McDowell in his um, book, One Click Away. I guess I was looking at, I'm thinking, at that guy there he said i just want to get the words out of what can i say to start <laughs> the conversation Should i say, because if you tell can we talk about sex oh man they're gonna freak out so uh, that's why i was looking at I said could you give us a, a kind of a cheat sheet of some phrases we can use as men because you know we need things broken down to the most elementary level of that we can use to even start <laughs> the dialogue before our, we get tongue-tied and feel like cotton mouth and we don't want to say anything what what phrases or things can we say to even get the conversation started
2: Sure. Absolutely. And real quick, with Josh McDowell, he's got a great book. It's called uh, The Bare Facts. And it kind of breaks down a lot of questions that, you know, you can, you know, use those as jumping off points. But, you know, really, there's so many opportunities if you're watching TV and here's a sex scene. You know, you see something and, and it's a great jumping off point going, hey, you know, this happens a lot, doesn't it? Where there's a lot of sexual exposure and you see a lot of women's bodies they may be barely covered. And especially with your son, you know, you can acknowledge it's pretty exciting, and your body—you get excited for this. Your body gets excited, and they're not gonna—they're gonna, gonna turn—they are not like want to ex- explode when you say this. Um, but just, but just acknowledging it's here, it's all around us. I mean, what's it like to see these things? You just start kind of entering in, kind of wading into the water um, by acknowledging the sex and the culture around us, and that you can't get away from it.
0: So basically, what you're telling us that it's going to be easier than we think to bring up the topic because society's going to bring it up before we do.
2: <laughs> it, it's like it's like Noah talking about rain. I mean, right. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: yeah so you know now that I think about it, you're absolutely right because I keep thinking about how I always had those conversations with my kids it was always something that happened that we saw and we just started discussing it so what do you think about that or I would ask a question even though I know the answer I want to see what their thought process is on that so what do you think about that when I'm asking my daughter I said how does that make you feel when you see something like that when you see women doing that but Carl I want to ask you this before we get into um, dealing with helping the parents specifically but with um, when you're talking about the talk when we're talking about when we say the talk, we refer to sex, and then we talk about pornography. They're two separate issues. Is this something that we should keep separated when we're talking to our kids about it, or is it one that leads into we can talk about sex and now naturally lead in pornography, or should we keep it separated and make them two separate topics?
2: Well, they're, they're separate, but it's kind of a you know, a cord of at least two threads. They come together because you know, we want them to get the idea here's how sex works, here's what it is, God gave it to us, and it's good. In fact, biblically, do you know the main reason the Bible talks about sex is for pleasure? Not just procreation, for pleasure. So we want to get the idea that sex is good. You know, we like this. It's celebrated not to be shamed and don't ever talk about it to get married. So we got to give them the good side of sex, and then here's how it's been distorted. The enemy always distorts, distorts, and so like you shared with your history, man, I went down that path, and here's all this shame. Here's the life it stole from me. Um, so we happen to see what happens with that. It looks attractive, but the more you go into that world, it actually steals life from you. Um, and you don't see that up front. Uh, and so you, you know, it really kind is kind of one leads to the other.
0: Yeah. You, you bring up a great point. I, and I never thought about it that way, but I guess when, if you're going to bring up anything, I guess porn would be a natural segue into because you, cause it's, cause you can use any topic, not just sex. When you're talking about it is that what is God's purpose and design for something, and how has the devil or the enemy or the world or the media has distorted and even lead them in it? I, I made me think about when I work with college students um, and when I, I do a lot of freshman orientation for colleges and we talk about um, we talk about grades. I don't even know how we get on the topic, but we talk about the purpose. You know, what's the purpose behind anything? And I just throw out some stuff at them. I say, OK, guys, I'm going to share some things with you, you. Tell me, what do you think the purpose of? I say, because if you don't know the purpose of a thing, I tell them you will misuse and abuse the thing. I said, let me give you some examples. I said, let's start with um money. I said, is money good or bad? And, they was, and some people say, oh, it's good. I said, no, money is I said money is really nothing. I said, what's the purpose of money? Is it was the purpose of money meant for means of exchange or exclusion? And they all said for exchange. I said, how do we use it in society today? Because I can't talk about the Bible in you know, and at, at at these colleges. So they said they said, Oh, we put you in justice." but how do we use it in a society? Oh, we use it for exclusion. I said for exploitation, manipulation, all this other stuff, right? Greed. I say, okay, let's look at um I say food. What was the purpose of food? To grow up or to grow out? Right. And it's supposed to grow up. I said, how do we use it in society today? They said to grow. I said, was that the purpose? They said, no. I said, see, if you don't use something for its intended purpose, you will misuse and abuse the thing. And I said, I said, let's look at the education system. I said, was it meant to uh, what the purpose It was to teach students or to torture them? <laughs> right. And, and they said, oh, it's to teach. I said, so what, what do we do to you guys? They said, you torture us. Right. So I said, you see, you can misuse anything. I said, then I say um, sex. I said, what was the purpose of sex? I said, for procreation or recreation, right? They start laughing. And they say, for procreation. I said, yeah, but just like you said, I said, for procreation, but in the context, in the pleasure of marriage. I said, but how do we use it in a society today? And guess what, Carl? You're right. They bring up porn, say, prostitution, you know, manipulate, exploitation. I'm not even saying anything. They're telling me how society is misusing it. So based on what you're telling us, we can use that as a segue to talk to our kids about it because they know right from what what do you think God's purpose is for this? And I was shocked. They knew it already.
2: They do. In fact, porn, I mean, you know, as adults, we're going porn. sex. (laughs) Um, It is so saturated. I mean, it's such a common conversation among them. That um, uh, one of Barna's studies showed that, uh, you know, like 18 to 24-year-olds or below 24-year-olds, they consider not recycling a bigger problem than pornography. And so it's out here. It's in the... My son tells me about the conversations they have. So we're afraid we're jumping into something they don't talk about at all. We're just jumping in the mainstream of what they hear about a lot. Um, you know, but giving a context to it. So, and Andy Stanley had a great visual on this one time. We talked about like fire is good in a fire pit or a campfire. In your living room, it's not good. It's not good. Right? The right thing in the wrong place is destructive. So, but uh, yeah, it's really just jumping in there and having that conversation because the other part of this, because kids and teens are more susceptible. Literally, their brains are more susceptible to the dopamine, two to four times more more reactive to it. it, means they love the intensity of it and they get overwhelmed by it and can't think through it. The porn industry targets these kids. Meaning you'll take um, children's characters, like let's say uh, let's say it was Barney.com, however you spell Barney. If you change it from like NE to N to N E Y perhaps com, they're taking those and making those porn sites. So if they can get kids early, and stimulated, they know they have customers for life. And so this is not passive, they are targeting our kids. That's why they need us to step in there and have these conversations.
0: And isn't it ironic call, you know, because you talk about that in your book, The Porn Antidote, which I I highly recommend that um, if they haven't read that book or they haven't listened to past episodes of your show, they need to get it. Because you not only do you talk about what we can do from a Christian perspective, but you look at the science behind it and what this is actually doing. But the ironic part about it that I see is that we're so afraid to talk to our kids about this but guess what the um, the public and the media they're not afraid to talk to our kids about it and, oh, and expose our kids to it. it they're all over it right and i'm thinking wow but yet we're walking in fear and we're ashamed and, you know and i, I keep thinking and boy my wife going to kill me for putting this on the air but i'm going to do it anyway <laughs> it's my show so but I'm t- i remember uh <laughs> You, you can come say my house. I can stay at your house, call Because you you brought it up earlier. You mentioned about, about what your kids, that they say, oh, my mom and dad kissing their hand. One of the things, and I'm just putting it out there because we're men, we're listening out there. I'm always concerned about my daughter um, you know, finding out that we're, you know, having sex, you know, that she may hear something. You know what I mean? And so I'm always like, I don't want, you know. And then it got to a point that I realized that we were only fooling ourselves. My daughter knows that we're having sex, you know? <laughs> and then now, and this is me now, and now here I'm a minister to men. I'm working with men. You know, I can ta- ta- talk to me about anything. I'll talk to my daughter about anything. But yet, with this, it's kind of like I've been burying my head in the sand. Then this is when I got it. One day, <laughs> Oh, I can't believe I'm telling this. One day, <laughs> my daughter comes to me, you know, and it was it's about close to bedtime. And she says, um, oh, oh, I was working. I was working in my office and she came in my office. She said, daddy, he says, um, you need to go into the bedroom with mommy. I <laughs> that right. <laughs> he, said, he said, because mommy's getting ready to, you know, take a bath. She's getting ready to go to bed and you, you're still here working. You need to stop working and Go. Talk, yeah, go talk to my He said, if you want some tonight. <laughs> and
1: I'm like, and so, and
0: I looked at it and called, I didn't know what to say. Like, this is my 15 year old daughter. And so I'm looking at it I'm like, what do I say to that? And then, of course, what I do is I cut off the computer, right? I was saying, you went, didn't you? Yeah, I went. <laughs> I could all confuse. She said, "You leaving now?" I said, "Yeah, you told me." To <laughs> but that's when I realized that Joe, stop putting your head in the sand. Your daughter knows that you guys are having sex, <laughs> so you just
2: <laughs> well. I mean, <laughs> and you yeah, again, our, our couch is good for a couple nights. you might need it. Okay. Um, take your wife out for a good dinner. But how? I mean, in a way, how beautiful is that? Your daughter knows that her mom and dad are having sex. They have a good, healthy sex life. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not dirty because the things we don't talk about, we assume they're too bad. I mean, how many people do we know that go, I guess my parents had sex, at least once to have me, beyond that, I don't know. And so the whole idea (laughs) that sex is this bad, dirty thing... Your daughter has a good view of sex. That's great. I mean, she's helping you, you know, have a good time with your wife. So. But,
0: you but you know, and it's yeah, you know, she was looking out for her dad. I'm like, all right, thumbs yeah. up on that. <laughs> right. I, I was, was totally clueless, time. you know. But at the same time, yeah, I, I've learned now not to be afraid of it because you don't even want to imagine your daughter's
2: going out and sex. Right. right. My, my, my daughter's going to be a nun. Right. That's <laughs>
0: exactly. But at the same time, you think, okay, this is the time that they can learn what a healthy relationship looks like, what sex in the context of marriage looks like, and that is not— not something that should be taken lightly and that you just do it for just whatever so from that standpoint yeah I, i'm now thrilled that i get to talk to her and and I, now it's like it's funny like she'll be talking i said you need to go to sleep because i need to have sex with my wife I said, "What Yay! you call it? I to
1: call, I love it?" daddy
0: you know what I'm, I'm just saying i said right now hey. you're taking you're chewing into our private time together
2: <laughs> exactly well it's direct i mean every, they hear about sex very directly everywhere else and they're hearing wait here's a healthy way you know, my dad wants to have sex with my mom. That's right. a good thing. <laughs> right.
0: So so I'm getting more comfortable. And I guess it took me having a daughter to get over that because I didn't have that problem with my son. You know, but with my daughter, it was just different. I don't know. But let me ask you this, you know, because I know we, we won't have a limited amount of time with you because you have a very busy schedule call. But let's talk about um, some do's and don'ts. All right. And and, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it's the same for both dads and moms. But is there a difference between how dads should approach talking to their sons about pornography? Because and I wonder is it any you know, is there ever a problem with girls? Do we do they need to talk to girls about pornography? And is there a difference between how moms and dads handle that? What what advice? Are, first of all, let's start with the that let's start with one question at a time. Is there a difference between the way moms and dads should handle talking about pornography or sex to their kids?
2: Uh, y- y- yes and no. I mean, part of it is whoever has the, the strongest relationship has the most influence. Um, they need to hear it from dad because we can talk real clear, real direct. This is more our realm, if you will. Um, so they, they need to hear from us. Guys tend to avoid the tough conversations. So we get to enter into that. Um, so we just got to jump in there. With moms, it's weird because, again, just like as dads, we don't, th- don't want to think about our daughters having sex. As a son, you don't want to think about mom being sexual at all with anybody because she's mom and, like, pure and doesn't do that.
0: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> and so, because and I have known moms and sons come in and say they both wanted to spontaneously combust when mom had the conversation. Um, so, unfortunately, if dad won't have the conversation, mom's got to lean in and have that. You acknowledge it's awkward, um, but just bring it out of hiding. That's the most important thing. So, moms probably need to do a little... Um, more gracefully, which I tend to do well anyway, you just acknowledging it's here, what's going on, dad's going to be clear and direct going, we know it's here, okay, in fact, um, uh, I mentioned on a blog post recently, Adam Savage, one of the guys from Mythbusters, if you Google him and talking to kids about porn, he's got a great video on it, you just acknowledge it's stimulating, it's exciting, I get why you want to look at it. Okay, so we're just acknowledging that rather than this is bad. You know, I would never want to look at this. Well, you know, my best friend growing up, his dad had a box of Playboy, so, you know, it, it didn't escape us. So it, it takes that to of shame. Mom's kind of leaning a little more with, with some ah shucks. You know, this is weird, but we need to talk about it. It's bringing it out of that hiding, that isolation. Again, isolation and shaming. That's the second part of this. The don't, the absolute don't, the thou shalt not is shaming. They need to know we can handle whatever they tell us. We may freak out, but we got to go in the bathroom later and freak out. Okay, that means they can say, man, I've been binging, you know, for the past three months on this stuff, and I'm ne- I'm neck deep in it. Okay, we're going to get through this. Um, but if we then freak, oh my gosh, I've raised you better than this. What kind of person are you? The shame drives them more into hiding. It says, I really am bad, so I can never tell you anything again. And that may be our first feeling gut response because that's what our parents might have said to us. Um, but no shaming. That's, that's the big no-no. And if you have done it, the great thing is it's called repair. You go back to them and say, you know what? I have reacted because I don't want that for you, but I need you to know I love you no matter what. And we're going to get through this.
0: You know, Carl, I know when I'm talking to parents about communicating with their kids, I'm always, especially in education, we're always saying you got to keep the uh, lines of communication on. Keep that open and keep the dialogue going between your kids. I said, if all of us, protect the relationship and keep communication going. And I said, one way to do that is parents, I said, never let your kids see you sweat. I said, never let, I said, you have to be able to take whatever they tell you and I said sometimes because I believe that kids do it just sort of like um, firing off a flare to see what your reaction is going to be. I yeah, said, "Can you handle it?" Yeah, can you it? I said, "I don't care if they come to tell you they're part of the 9/11 attacks." I said, "Oh, really? So tell me more. So how did yeah, you really? plan that?" I said, "Don't. <laughs> you can freak out like you said later, but don't do it in front of them because sometimes they're just testing you to say, okay, if she freaked out or he freaked out about
2: that, I know I'm not going to tell them about this." Right, and uh, so it, it's. It's it's technically, it's called social referencing. This is the idea that when you have that toddler, two years old, they're walking along, they fall down, they bump their knee, they look up at you, and their eyes are asking, am I okay? If I freak out, they freak out. (laughs) (laughs) If I walk over and go, it's okay, you're going to be okay, they go, "Uh, okay, you're okay, and they (laughs) they recover well. (laughs) It's the same idea. They're going, can you handle it? If not, I ain't telling you, Jack. But if you can handle this, maybe I can tell you more, and you won't, like, chop my head off. Um, So yeah, they got to be able, they got to know that we can handle what they've got.
0: You know, and I've seen that happen even with the like you said, a little toddlers. Because you'll freak out when you see them falling. Like, oh my goodness! But if you if you don't overreact, typically they're okay. But if you react in a way that's then all of a sudden they start crying and hollering and screaming. And so you, I didn't know that's what it was called. So it's called social referencing. Social referencing. I, I've uh, never uh, heard that term before. That that's mm, that's pretty cool. Now mirror neurons. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Now Carl, help me out with this now because we always assume when it comes to pornography in our kids, we assume it's always a boy problem um is it a problem with girls at all do you see any case of that or any research that you found that shows that this is now becoming prevalent with girls too
2: it it is a growing problem much more so than people want to think really Uh, this is two years ago the stat was that one in three visitors to a porn site is female really yes and for guys if a guy goes to porn site well he's one of the guys much more shame associated with women For them to acknowledge this is a problem and same thing, they'll either be exposed through abuse or somebody showing them or through their boyfriends and wanting to please other people, they'll look at porn and replicate it and now they get into it. So it is is a growing problem.
0: And so we can't put our heads in the sand as parents thinking, okay, it's just i got to worry about my sons, but to overlook um, our daughters as, as well. And so it goes back to what you said. We still had to find a, a time and a place to bring it up. And I guess, like you said, when the media is exposing them and stuff, talk to them about it and maybe find out. Because I've never run into, um, not, I can probably count on one hand how many women I've run into who at least admitted that they had a problem with pornography. Bingo. Yeah.
2: Bingo. Because the, there are more there, but think about it. I mean, uh, if... You know, say, you know, if you go into the audience, you're speaking to even the church, you know, if the numbers go down a little bit when it's in the church, which is which is a good thing to know. But, um, you know, if you have, say, two thirds of the guys in there have looked at porn in the past couple months. OK, now, if you take that number cut in half, that many women in the room have looked at porn in that period of time as well. But there's so much more shame, shame because right. porn is so bad. It's a guy thing and they objectify women. Now, I'm looking at it. And so there's even another barrier to coming out and acknowledging it, which is kind of leading into another part we have to do as parents, which is we've got to check. We've got to check their cell phone, their history, whatever access points they have to the, the Internet. we got to check. And not because we're accusing, but we're protecting. we got to catch a fire before it becomes a forest fire. And you do it without apology. You don't do it shaming. But I want my kids to know, I'm going to check your history. I'm going to check your Instagram. In fact, on social media, we have to be, my wife really, they have to let my wife be a friend on all their social media. We got to know what's going on. Even then, kids are good at creating alternate accounts. So we have to do some investigative work. So we, so we can catch it and then bring it into the conversation.
0: Right, right. So prevent them from isolating themselves as well. And Carl, Bingo. I know we have to um, close out the show because you're, you're pressed for time today. And I hate to end the show on this question, <laughs> but we got to go there because we're capturing this. We want people to be able to listen to it and be blessed by it. But uh, one of the things uh, I hear, and I hear it primarily from women, but I guess since we do have men in here, this could benefit men as well. What do you suggest to the parent who catches their son masturbating? All right. Because there's a lot of shame in that when the boy's caught. We know that. But and so the woman I could use that's when women are freaking out. They're sending emails. Joe, what do I do? I just caught my son doing this and he had a porn. And da, da, da. and so and with men, I, I think we need to hear, too. How should we respond to our son's masturbating?
2: Right. I'm glad you're, I am glad was going to bring up that word as well, because if you think sex is hard to say. I <laughs> know. No, right? right? Exactly. Ma, 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 ma you know at that point they just have a stroke and go to the hospital and to the whole thing. Um, but no it, it's a, it's an apt question to have you know and they walk in the bathroom oh my gosh or you find you know results in, in the wash yeah. um, you, yeah. you, you normalize it the, the old joke is that was it you know 99% of men masturbate the other one lie lying about it um, <laughs> yeah uh, I mean as far as growing up so especially with teenagers. Man, you know, the hormones raging, super stimulated. Um, so it's a common thing to do to experiment with that, to release. Again, it's not shaming it. You bring it in the context. Hey, I get God made the body to work this way. Again, here's the function of it. Um, being really, you know, so you acknowledge that. We would rather you not make that how you deal with life because it becomes a self-medication. The biggest thing with pornography then is, hey, listen, if you're doing that, I get it. We'd rather you kind of... You know, make that not the way you, you deal with life or, or just have to hide it. But whatever you're looking at, when you're masturbating, you're bonding to. That's the way God designed the chemicals in our brain. So if you're bonding these ladies that are doing amazing things that no woman would ever do, that's your expectation and it doesn't get better when you get married. Um so helping them see what's actually going on. Again, you know, we know this happens, but you're not a bad person. Um, yeah, there's nothing more awkward than a mom having that conversation with her son where they both want to drop dead.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so the key that we are getting here, and I'm hoping that the men hear this as well, is um, no shaming. And and I, I guess, and I hate to say, think we have to say this to men, um, but don't endorse it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, you don't shame them, but don't make them think it's okay just because you can't stop doing it. You know, um, because b- regardless of what, you know, regardless of what everybody's saying out there and they say, oh, 99 percent of men do it and one percent of lying. No, there's men who like myself who had to deal with this issue and have overcome it. You know, there is a way to do it, and that's a whole nother show, and they need, need to read your book, you know, <laughs> yeah. or, or have a well, session I'm, with I'm th- you.
2: <laughs> I'm thinking, Joe, um, and I'll, I'll email it to you again, but I did a, a blog post for Roman University on, on masturbation about a year ago. I'll send that so people, we can put that with the yeah, podcast. Yeah, we put, that, so yeah, we put that
0: with the podcast so they have a link to that. Thanks yeah, for doing but, that call.
2: But it provides a great context for sex is good, we desire it, but what's the purpose of it? It's designed to really bond husband and wife, so is that what we're using it for well then we got to got to keep it in check
0: well, guys, we've reached the end of our show. And typically, you know, I have our guests tell you how you can get in contact with them. But if you are in contact with Real Men Connect, you know how to get in contact with Carl. You can reach him through Real Men University. You can go to his website, um, his the any of his episodes, his links. All of his links and his contact information is in there for you guys to, to grab. And Carl, I want to just thank you, man. I know you're pressed for time today. But thank you so much for stopping by the show again. And, you know, you'll be back on again <laughs> to talk to us about pornography. You're know, the only person I know well, I that I actually have fun talking about pornography with. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: not sure how to take that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even now that I said it, I don't know what that means. But but I feel comfortable in talking to you about it because I, I think you have such a wealth of information. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you right? for having me, Joe. And guys, do us a quick favor. And if you like this episode, please do go over and and rate the podcast for especially this episode. If it has blessed you, and you think it'll be a blessing to other guys um, because we could this show would not even be possible if it wasn't for you. So take about 30 seconds. Go over to iTunes, rate the program. It's the best way to help us move up in the rankings and also to get this show in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. So please don't keep us a secret because you know that sharing is caring. So until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man that God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible, terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in his grip.
1: Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast, it's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out RealMenConnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man, God's way. Again, that's RealMenConnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.